Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Ave Geeks podcast. I'm Flight Corporal Jack Anderson. You're with Flight Corporal Nadim Elgazar. Hello, everyone. And Flight Corporal Aiden Paul. How's it going? And as always, we are going to be your hosts for this episode of the Ave Geeks podcast. Um, so, Elgazar, it's great to see you back. Um, we yes. did miss you last week. Um, that was a very interesting episode, but... Um, to be fair, it wasn't a topic of my expertise. If you know me, I'm not much of a gamer. So I think it was a bonus for you guys not to have me that week. So, uh, Well, we're happy to have you any week. But yes. uh, all that out of the way, now we can uh, get into this week's topic. So um, we're actually going to be doing two things this week. So for the first half of our episode, we're going to be talking about the evolution of the aircraft carriers. And then for the second half of it, we're going to be talking or we're going to have a discussion whether Canada should have an aircraft carrier. Um, Yes, let's get started with the evolution of the aircraft carrier. So not a lot of people know this, but the first aircraft carrier was actually the USS George Washington used by the Union Navy during the American Civil War. That's Uh, just shocking, man. (laughs) It is. You you might remember, though, um, a few weeks ago in our uh, balloons, blimps, and zeppelins episode, we did talk a little bit about the balloons that got towed along by ironclads and ships. So this was a, uh, a barge that um, they would tie down several hot air balloons to, and then they'd tow it out into the ocean and they'd be able to fly them up and use them for scouting, bombing, etc. Then the Germans cool. use uh, Zeppelin like aircraft carriers. Um, well, I think a lot of people did. Um, yeah. The Americans used one at some point. I remember. But that was like World War One. That was like pretty revolutionizing. It yeah. was. Um, right. Well, let's get back to the uh, floating aircraft carriers, not the flying yes. ones. <laughs> yes. Um, so the next uh, big era of aircraft carriers was in the early 20th century, right at the turn of the century. Um, so quite a few large ships uh, were known as seaplane carriers, and they started to appear a lot more frequently. So... Um, the difference between a normal plane and a seaplane is that a seaplane is designed to land on the water. So unlike when you hear aircraft carriers today, um, it wasn't launching off of the ship. What happened was there was a crane on board the ship that would uh, pick up the aircraft, put them in the ocean next to the ship, and then the, ad- the aircraft would take off from the actual ocean. So by that, do you mean it had no runway or like... So I mean, it, it had no runway. It so would, it stored the planes and had a crane to carry it down. That's cool. For that time, that's actually... It is. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah that well, is really cool. Especially because um, seaplanes, it could go a lot farther. They had much larger range because of those ships. They could get towed out, they could get refueled, then they could fly off. Um, they were also able to be much heavier because they didn't have to worry about landing on a ship. They could land in the ocean adjacent to it, so they could carry much more payload. Um, next we have, um, the world war one era or just before world war one. So, um, typically you don't see dedicated aircraft carriers in this era. You see, um, larger ships like heavy cruisers and battleships, maybe some battle cruisers, but they would have either steam catapults, um, or they'd have an actual flight deck, like a very small one, maybe like a square with a couple tow ropes on it, or sorry, uh, arresting ropes. I think they used this catapult strategy for a very long time. I don't know if they still use it, but... Um, um, that's something similar today, yeah. Well, when I say uh, catapult, I don't mean like 
what you think of Nelson aircraft carrier where they get shot off the front. I mean, it was like attached to one of the gun emplacements. They would turn it to the side and then it would physically pull them back and catapult them. Off the oh, interesting. Oh, okay. That's not what I thought. <laughs> no, I mean, it's not what most that certain, That certainly must've been um, very exhilarating for the pilots. Well, again, they only really did this for seaplanes because other than that, they had nowhere to land back on the catapult itself. So what they do is they'd land the plane in the ocean next to the ship and they'd use a crane to pull it back onto the ship. But this is much more efficient than having to lower into the ocean if you're under attack, for example. With this, you can just power up the aircraft and go. Yeah, that's um, actually for for world like near World War One, that timing uh it's very actually a pretty smart yeah. idea. But I wonder how many casualties that caused. <laughs> well, it worked very similar to the uh, catapults we see on modern aircraft carriers. So it, it was probably pretty safe for its time again. Um, an interesting fact about this, though, was that um, the first plane to ever land on an aircraft carrier was um, uh, it was on the 18th of January, 1911. That was the first time a plane ever landed on the back of a ship. Sorry. Um, so I think that was a pretty historic date because um, that was the first time sort of a plane could take off and land on a ship before it'd have to land in the ocean next to the ship. Um, sorry, Alexander, right. I cut you off a little bit earlier. Were you saying something? No, there is just a, a slight problem with your, your microphone. That's, I was trying to signal something to you. Uh, sorry, I do apologize for that. Oh, no problem. So the first, uh, sorry about that. Another historic moment will probably be the, the first like specific aircraft carrier, which is the uh, HMS Hermes, or am I pronouncing that right? I believe it's Hermes, but that's close enough. Hermes. Okay. And uh, it was a British aircraft carrier and uh, it was in service for the Royal Navy from 1959 until 1984, or that could be one different, model of it. Different HMS Hermes. I keep messing up, man. They, they, why do they use the same names? <laughs> On like is, four different is, ships. Very good idea. Very good question. It is very confusing. But the HMS Hermes I'm thinking of, I believe it was laid down in 1919 or 1920, one of those two. Um, and then I believe it served all the way up until World War II. Um, but yeah, this was a very historic moment because this, you saw a deck conversion carriers, which was, uh, it was the type of ship where they take um, a previously built ship and they just remove the entire superstructure and slap a new flight deck on it. And boom, is a carrier. So, oh, I see. Okay, yeah, so I have that here. An example yeah. of that would be the USS Langley. So if you want to Google that, I would highly recommend it because it's a very interesting looking ship. It's a very weird looking ship, but at the time it got the job done. Um, so next we're going to be talking about um, during the Second World War. So they're very similar to during the interwar years. Um, they're just bigger. They had more guns, could carry more aircraft, could go faster, all that. Um, this is where you start to see those really good um, innovations like the arresting wires because in order to land on a ship, you would have to, you'd have to be either a very good pilot or have arresting wires. So what it would do is there was a hook on the back of an airplane and they'd catch onto a wire as you landed so it would slow you down. You still actually see this on modern aircraft carriers. Of course, back in the 1940s, they didn't have the catapults like they do now. Um, but at least they had the arresting wires. So that was probably the most dangerous part. 
Um, next, we have the Cold War airships. So early on in the Cold War, like the 1950s or so, um, ships were pretty much exactly like they were during World War II. Um, they used the exact same layout almost. Um, they had pretty much the same weapons, though they did have jet fighters now instead of uh, propeller fighters, which is very interesting. Um, a good example of a ship like this is the USS Midway. If you ever get a chance to look at that, it is a early Cold War uh, aircraft carrier, and it is very interesting to look at because it looks exactly like one from World War II, but it has all the weapons of one from the Cold War. That's pretty uh, cool, actually. So, yeah, in the late Cold War, that's when we start seeing um, sort of the more modern classes of ship. Um, well, I don't know what's a good example. Probably like the uh, Nimitz class. or I don't know. Nimitz is pretty modern. Yeah, the um, Nimitz. Which then Nimitz started going into production like 2010. Okay, well, I think another... Definitely modern. Example, <laughs> yeah. I'd say the, uh, the Kitty Hawk version or the Kitty Hawk class because uh, that one, I believe, came out in the 1980s uh, mm -hmm. or the 1970s. One of those two. Um, sure. well, and, and these are powerhouses of... A of aircraft, sorry, there's just some background noise there. And uh, yeah, they're they're very capable of like capacity and like holding like many planes and so many like crew. So, uh, and they have innovations such as the, the catapult, but it's a steam catapult like you were talking about earlier, so. Um, well, I think now that we're into the modern era, one important thing to look at is nuclear power because every single American carrier and the French carrier are all powered by nuclear generators. Um, um, so if memory serves correct, the very first nuclear-powered aircraft carrier was the USS Enterprise, I think, in 61, I believe. That's impressive, especially for the time. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so this means that ships can go years upon years without refueling. Um, this doesn't mean they don't need supplies because they still do get supplies of uh, food, jet fuel, all that stuff. Um, it just means that they don't have to go into a port to get that because normally when a ship refuels, it has to go into a port or it has to have a tanker with it. Um, with these ships, you can just fly an airplane to the nearest city, uh, get all the supplies you need, then fly it back without stopping. That is a brilliant idea. Yeah, that's, um, that's actually like pretty genius for the person that came up with that. It is. Um, and it's a very good advantage for a military like imagine if they have that like during a war like you don't even have to return to home just like you have all your supplies that, that is actually why they do that that's um so that during a time of war they don't have to sail into ports that might be vulnerable to enemy attacks they can just send an airplane there to pick it up and go back to the ship um now with that said uh that brings us up to speed on aircraft carriers um so we are about halfway through and we're gonna switch gears from evolution of aircraft carriers to should Canada have an aircraft carrier. Um, so I think first we need to mention that at some point, Canada did have three aircraft carriers. I knew for sure that they did have an aircraft carrier, but I had no clue they had three. And I found that out when doing my research for this episode. Well, um, I may say, a lot yeah, of but, aircraft carriers look very familiar, like very similar to each other. Yeah. So, well, they I mean, do, but there there are three aircraft carriers that Canada had, so that that's very impressive. It doesn't matter how yeah, alike but, they look, but yeah. Well, I mean, at the end of World War II, didn't Canada have like 
what, the fifth largest Navy in the world yeah, in so the World War II? That is another thing you have to look at, that back then Canada had a much larger Navy as compared to now. And same within the Cold War, which is when we had the third and the final aircraft carrier. Um, so speaking of the aircraft carriers, let's mention what their names are so that if you want to, you can go and uh, look them up. Uh, the first one there is a French name. So Paul, would you like to pronounce that? I'm not very good with my French pronunciations. No problem. It was the HMCS Bonaventure, the HMCS Magnificent and the Warrior. That is perfect. Yes. Um, so yeah, these were our three aircraft carriers. The most recent one was the, uh, the first one there, the Bonaventure. I'm hoping I'm saying that right. Close enough. Close enough. Okay. <laughs> I can live with that. Um, so now we're going to talk about the major advantages of an aircraft carrier. Um, so all the reasons that you would want a carrier. So first of all, they can be positioned almost anywhere in the world. Um, if I'm remembering correctly, uh, according to international law, they're allowed to be parked 80 miles away from an enemy coast or from a foreign coast. So putting an air base 80 miles away from any coast in the world, that's a massive advantage. For sure, especially like, like if there was a time of war, 80 miles, that's like you know, any plane can almost fly that. So, yeah, well, most planes can, they can fly thousands, especially military miles. aircraft, like 80 miles is pretty much nothing. Um, yeah, don't most modern fighter jets have ranges of like 500 plus kilometers? They could definitely reach that. Exactly. I think more. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah 500 kilometers in a. Oh, yeah. Wait, 500 kilometers. 500 kilometers. Oh, yeah, that's like nothing. You're right. <laughs> the thing is, though, compared to 80, 80 miles off of shore, or did I say 80 kilometers? Um, either way. I think you said miles. I forget. You said well, miles. 80 miles. That's, that's well within that 500 kilometer range. A plane can easily fly that. Because um, right now in the Canadian Air Force, we have to station all our aircraft at foreign countries' bases. What if those foreign countries just out of the blue said, no, we don't want you in our country anymore. They could just kick out our uh, air force with sure. an aircraft carrier. We wouldn't have that threat. We could position our aircraft anywhere in the world almost. Um, next is they're a sign of power. This is actually, um, this is one where um, uh, America, they do it very often. Um, so a few years ago, they were uh, having negotiations with North Korea or China, one of those two. And um, while they were doing that, they had three aircraft carrier groups stationed in the South China Sea as a show of force. So America, they sort of use their carriers to keep people in line. So um, I, I think if Canada had that, it'd be much easier for people to sort of take us seriously to know not to mess with Canada. Um, all right, next we have, they can be used to more effectively protect our trade and shipping. Yeah, so a conventional ship, it can do it just fine, but an aircraft carrier has much more technology. It has um, a lot more firepower than a conventional ship would. Um, so it is definitely better at protecting our shores and our shipping. Um, but while all that is like, it, it sounds great, you, yes. you need to be a very rich country to own aircraft carriers. It's not. Yes, that, yes, is. And that, that brings us into our second point here, where we're going to be talking all about the disadvantages. So um, as Elgazar just said, they're very expensive, not just to build, but to maintain and to fuel, because 
Um, sure, you can put a nuclear reactor on board, but that is expensive. Whereas if you have a conventional fuel, that is so much money in oil and gasoline. Um, so that would that'd be millions upon millions, even probably billions of dollars over maybe 50 years of that for operation. Sure. And doing and putting all that work in for a singular aircraft carrier and all of that just so there's a hundred like many risks for it to just get completely destroyed. It's so big it and anyone yeah, that's another, anyone can easily target that. So that's another big drawback of aircraft carriers. If they're not properly protected, they're sitting ducks. They're massive targets. Um, which is why you see in the United States, an aircraft carrier never sails by itself. It always has escorts of uh, like guided missile cruisers, um, destroyers, frigates, because on its own, it could not fend off. Like we're saying that it does have a lot of firepower, but it doesn't have the firepower to hold off all these massive weapons by itself. It needs a team to do it. And we've have many examples of that happening in World War II. Like an aircraft carrier can't. Can't hold, yeah. can't withstand that much force coming at it. So, um, uh, next we have a, an aircraft carrier requires massive ports and massive waterways. So, in America, you see that they have the infrastructure for aircraft carriers already built up. They have these massive ports, like Pearl Harbor, for example, and um, the Panama Canal. I'm not sure if aircraft carriers can go through the Panama Canal. I've never seen that. Um, but they do have waterways set up for aircraft carriers to go through. Canada kind of does, but at the same time, it really doesn't. Because uh, I'm talking about the Northwest Passage up through the Arctic. Sure, we could use that, but it's going to be iced over for most of the year. Um, sure. Right. Right. And I think for a final point, this one isn't really an official point, but our pilots don't have any experience with landing on an aircraft carrier. Like... Um, that aircraft carrier, the third one, was retired in the 1970s. So there is no fighter pilot in our Air Force today that knows how to land on an aircraft carrier. Um, whereas the Americans, they have the advantage of they've been constantly using aircraft carriers since about the 1920s. They've built generations upon generations of experience with aircraft carriers. Whereas Canadians, we rarely have any experience at all with that. Um, yeah, I agree. So now that we've sort of laid out all of the facts, we're going to have a bit of a debate now to see whether Canada should have one or should not. Um, so I'm going to state my opinion first. I think that um, we should have an aircraft carrier. I do understand that it's a lot of work. It's a lot of money. But I think in the long term, it will be better as it will make things easier to protect our country, to protect our foreign interests, all of that stuff. So sure, it's a lot of money, but it is a very good investment. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, sorry. sorry Paul, you you go. can go ahead. Yeah. Um, I would say to disagree, considering the massive costs and manpower required to run an aircraft carrier, not to mention the fact that neither Canada nor NATO seem to be have seem to be having any malintentions with other countries right now. It's, it's we don't definitely do not need one, at least not right now. Yeah, I agree with like Corporal Paul. We uh. As of now, I'm not saying in the future, but as of now, our, our the Canadian economy is just like, we're in a pandemic, you know, we're not, I don't think we are in a position where we can purchase such a, such a thing and have so many like military personnel actually like 
take care of that. Plus the training, like you mentioned the pilots, plus the training to have all those pilots actually like go through like the aircraft carrier experience or yeah. Uh, it's just, I think it's just too much. And it's, uh, and our, as we said, like we, we have pretty solid allies and I don't think we're in a like bad situation with any country like that will get out of control. So, um, I do understand what you're saying there, but I think um, the one argument that doesn't make sense from your perspective is that we're not at war with anyone right now, or we're not in uh, hot water with anyone right now. Aircraft carriers take years to build and years to train pilots. So perhaps by the time we are in hot water with someone, it will have been too late to build our own aircraft carrier. I think if we want to be prepared, we need to start doing it now. Okay, but now that's a big investment for a country that's like financially not doing like well, I, it's not i understand that too but um i think it will help create jobs too because the the tons of construction on the new ports that needs to be built the shipyards they're all going to gain tons of employees not to mention the pilots and the sailors aboard that ship so for all we know this could help uh, boost our economy it could give jobs back to hundreds maybe even thousands of people Okay, boost the economy to build ports, but for how long? Like maintaining those ports, I get that's jobs, but also you can't have non-military personnel on a on an aircraft carrier and doing the work on it. So yeah, the ports, okay, you can probably have a few civilian jobs there, but we're gonna it will be a whole new expansion of our military. And is Canada ready to do that right now? It's financially yeah, right. no. Yeah, right. Let's not forget Canada's military is like super underfunded for being part of NATO. For sure. Yeah. Um, so I do think the only way we are going to get an aircraft carrier is if there is a, uh, an increase in the budget to the Canadian Armed Forces. Um, I don't really think we're going to be seeing that in the next few years, especially considering the financial situation Canada's in right now. Um, but I think once we've gotten ourselves out of this mess, I think that an aircraft carrier would be a very good investment because there are tons of countries all around the world that, um, uh, that are trying to increase their military sizes. And it's, I think everyone needs to have a strong military in order to stay safe. Or I think at least Canada needs to maintain a strong military in order for us to protect our freedom. For sure. Like we have like a solid military, but at the same time, like nations worldwide are starting to really develop their military. And I think Canada needs to consider uh, maybe increasing that budget. For sure. Um, so for now, let's agree to disagree on this topic. Um, that actually brings us to the end of our time for tonight. And just before we let you go, uh, we'd like to have a quick word from our sponsor. This podcast is made possible by the 102 Squadron Air Cadets. Right now, we aren't able to do our normal fundraising due to the pandemic. So instead, we made a Squadron Cookbook. All three of us are members of the Cookbook Committee and have seen the months of hard work that have gone into it. It includes recipes for almost every cadet, officer, and member of staff. Books will be available for pre-order soon, so keep your eyes peeled. Yes, thank you, Flight Corporal Paul. And yeah. when, I, when we say soon for pre-orders, we mean yeah. very soon. I think they're going to be released like this week, I think. Like maybe even, yeah, I think this week. As yeah, the next week up. or two. Yeah, and they're great books. They're not just a cookbook. They tell a whole story about our squadron, but even more about the cadet organization. It's one of the best organizations in Canada. Um, and this book is a great way to support it. it. All the proceeds go towards our squadron. 
Um, so I would highly encourage you to buy it. Uh, that for is sure. our time for tonight. We would once again like to thank you for listening to the Ave Geeks podcast. Goodbye, and we'll see you next time. Have a good Have one. Have a good one.